right, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. If you don't have a traditional Bible, but you'd like one, just raise your hand. One of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. You can also take your digital device and open up the version, or it's also called the Bible app and all the notes and all the scriptures have already been uploaded on there for you to be able to follow along. If you're watching us live on our online campus or one of our many services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, we love you guys. We're so glad that you're part of our family and we love you guys. Thank you for being so close to each other. I hope you know that person next to you. If not, if you know him, reach over and give him a kiss on the cheek in Jesus' name. So good. Maybe if you don't know him, reach over and give him a kiss on, go, ooh, where did you guys meet, church? Yeah, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Got my first kiss on a Sunday. So anyway, (laughs) so dumb. If you're new, welcome. Merry Christmas. I know I'm a little bit early, but this is our last live service before Christmas, but it's not our last service. We're going to be having a broadcast service starting at four o'clock on Christmas Eve, and it's going to be on a loop all day on Christmas Day. So what I'm hoping is that you'll put it on in the background as you cook, put it on in the background as you eat. Maybe you'll sit down as a family and you'll watch it, process it. Maybe you'll even show it to your family and friends who just stop by, people who come over. Maybe those are people who you've been trying to share Jesus with. In that message, there's gonna be music. There's gonna be a short talk about Jesus. And can I tell you, every year it's so good and this year is no exception. Our creative team pulled out all the stops. Now, I'm a crier. I watch stuff. I listen to stuff and I cry. I was having a conversation with my son Isaiah the other day and we were talking about how sometimes when I listen to songs, I just cry. And he was confused by that. So then I ran it by my best friend, Alan, who's going to be here the end of the year to speak for you. He'll probably pick someone up and carry him across the stage. He'll do something that's ridiculous. You don't want to miss that. And I said that to him because my friend Alan is kind of the emotional one in our relationship. Like he'll text me things like, bro, I love you and I miss you. And I'll text him back, bro, shut up. (laughs) Until Sonny was like, seriously, he's like loving on you and you're being like super rude about it. I was like, I'm not being super rude. I'm just being like a big brother, even though he's older than me. I'm just, I'm just awkward in that. And so he was here this week and I told him, I said, bro, you ever listen to a song and it, you just start to cry? He goes, no. So like I was watching the, 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 the thing for Christmas and y'all, I was just crying. So I don't know if it's just a me thing, but there is some stuff on there that it's, you do not want to miss it. But today, as Pastor Sonny said, I want to wrap up this series that we've been in that we've been calling uh, Caves. And uh, I want to share with you a message that uh, we're going to call the Cave of Denial. Let's pray. God, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for who you are. God, thank you for what you do. God, thank you for what this day represents. God, we're so grateful to you. We love you. I mean, really, the whole conversation could end right there that we love you. But God, gratefully, the conversation doesn't end there because you love us. You love us more. You loved us first. Before we even knew you, you loved us. Before we were even born, you knew us. You had a plan for us, and that plan involved you loving us. And so today, I pray that you would whittle away at who we are, whittle away at what we do, so that when we leave here, we'll be less like us and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Have you ever been denied? 
denied a job, denied financing, denied a date to the junior prom or the Sadie Hawkins dance, if we still have those things, but you were denied. Denial has such a negative connotation, doesn't it? Of course it does. It's discouraging. It's disheartening. It's demeaning, quite frankly. It's devastating, isn't it? Uh, Denial can drive us to a place of desolation. I want to talk to you about that cave today. I, I want to end this series by talking about the cave of denial. And I want to do that by talking about three stages of denial. Here's, here's the first stage. Some of us are living in denial. Living in denial. Look at, look at this story from the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. It is very appropriate for the season that we're in. Starting in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. He sent that angel to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Also, it could be called to be betrothed to a man named Joseph. Joseph was a descendant of David. The virgin's name, it was Mary. Maybe you've heard of her. The angel, he went to her and he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord, he is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with the Lord. You will conceive and you will give birth to a son. You're supposed to call him Jesus or the Jews call him Yeshua. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Small thing, Mary said. How will this be? Because I am a virgin. Sometimes I think we read the the book like it's two-dimensional. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like this, if you were Mary, you might would read that more confused than you've read it before. I think Mary said, oh, um, I think you got the wrong number. I think you wanted to be one village over. Uh, there's an old married lady over there. She's got 14 kids. They don't even have a minivan, can't have a minivan no more. They got a Sprinter van, and the Sprinter van is to, that's probably the lady that, because you couldn't be looking for me, because, you know, the small detail. I've never even been with a man before. The angel answered, no, 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 hold up. The Holy Spirit, he's going to come down, and God's power is going to rest upon you. So your child, he will be called the Holy Son of God. I read this probably three weeks ago, and something jumped out to me because, because I do believe that sometimes we read this book as if it is academic rather than reading it as if it is personal. Mary, in this context, we know from the language that she speaks, was living in denial. Mary could not see herself for who she was or what she was. We know that because when the angel of the Lord said to her, greetings, you who are highly favored, next verse, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Why was she troubled? She was troubled because she was living in denial. She could not see herself the way that the angel saw her. She could not see herself as someone who was favored the way that the angel approached her. I wonder if you've ever been living in denial. I'm sure that Mary's parents were living in denial. Uh, I, I wonder if you've ever imagined what the dinner table conversation would have been that night. They sit down over soup, because that's what I imagined people back then ate, soup in a wood bowl with a wood spoon. I don't know why, but they probably didn't have Tupperware, or as my daughter loves to call it, 
Tupperware. So they probably sat down with a wooden bowl, with a wooden spoon, a little bit of soup, a little bit of pottage maybe. And I can imagine the conversation. I can just picture Mary trying to find the right time to speak. Um, Dad, Mom. <laughs> yes. God. Great news. Uh, Congratulations, uh, you're gonna be grandparents. I'm pregnant, <laughs> Wee! <laughs> can you even fathom, like I can't imagine how I would react, but can you, can you fathom how these people, how this family would have reacted? Like I wonder, were they angry? Like, uh, uh, excuse me? I, I don't think I heard you right, because it sounded like you just said you're pregnant. Did, did you say? Did you, say, did you say pregnant? Pregnant, as in with child. We, Mary, are with child. You are a child. Like, we know that history tells us that Mary was a teenager when this happened. She was living in her parents' home. And I bet her dad probably turned to her mother like every father would. Her dad probably said, I knew it. <laughs> I told you. She shouldn't have been running with that boy. We should have never gave her a cell phone. See, we should have, I told you she shouldn't have been on Snapchat. I'm telling you, and this is what dad said. I promise you, I wasn't there, but I promise you because I'm a dad, this is what happened. He said, you better talk to your daughter. <laughs> you ever notice how it's the other person's kid when something is going wrong, but it's your kid when, when something's, anyway, that, maybe that doesn't happen in your house, but uh, that's just how most guys tend to react as we, we overreact. And then I, I picture that her mom probably would have had a, a more civilized conversation with her later after her dad like threw the spoon down and stormed out the room and slammed the door. And mama was probably trying to pick up the pieces like moms generally have to do. She may have had a more quiet conversation and sat on the foot of her bed and said, sweetie, like, how did this happen? I mean, I know how. I mean, I know how this happened. I'm, but like, how, how did this happen like, to you? You, my, my Mary. I thought you were pure with disappointment dripping from her tongue. I thought you were a virgin. Were they angry? Maybe they were embarrassed. Like, oh my gosh. What are we going to tell the neighbors? We can't just say you're getting fat. I can explain this. Tell me what we're going to tell your Nana. What are we going to tell your grandparents? Nana's going to have a heart attack. Mary, I hope you're happy. You just killed your grandmother. <laughs> were they afraid? Maybe they were afraid because back then when a woman was betrothed or when a woman was engaged to a man, if she was unfaithful, that man could legally have had her killed. I wonder if her dad was a typical man and was trying to fix things. I wonder if he was trying to find a solution, find an alternative. I wonder if he thought, what if I leverage the bride wealth? What if I just, what if I just return that? Which, which incidentally, a bride wealth was the price that a, a groom paid to the bride's family for the bride, not as a purchase, but as a proof of his worthiness as a suitor. It was his way of showing that he was capable of adequately providing for his bride and their daughter. Not to be confused with a dowry, a dowry which is still used in many places in the eastern part of the world today. A dowry is the wealth that a woman brings in to the marriage and she gives that to her husband as a part of the wedding ceremony. It was typically provided by the bride's family as a seed to help them in the beginning of their new household. And so what I wonder is if Mary's father 
thought, hmm, I wonder if I return the bride's wealth and if I give Joseph's family the dowry anyway, if they will, if they will keep this on the DL, if they'll keep this quiet, if they'll, if they'll spare my baby girl's life. I wonder if he started coming up with a story. Okay, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's, he's in his workshop talking to himself. Here's what we're going to do. We're, we're gonna, this is the plan. We're going to tell them that uh, someone overpowered her and that she, that she was raped. He probably came up with a story. I mean, fear will make you tell some crazy stories, won't it? It's made you tell some crazy stories. When, when I was in seventh grade, uh, my friend got his girlfriend pregnant. Everyone knew that they were having sex except his parents, her parents, uh, which was evidenced in the way that they told the story to the principal and to the police. They told the principal and the police that she was raped. And when they told the story that she was raped, they didn't get that from her. They got that from themselves because when they told the story, they said, officer, we know that, that she was raped. And the reason for that is because she doesn't even like boys yet. Now, I wonder what stories are you telling yourself? What stories are you telling others because you can't see yourself for who you are and what you are? Even though God said, don't be afraid, you have found favor with me, are you living in denial? Here's the second stage of denial is being denied, being denied. Now, we don't hear a lot about Mary in Scripture, but when you read other Jewish history, you begin to be able to fill in the cracks. There, there is a lot of other Jewish history that talks about Mary and, and talks about her life. That at least from this point forward, we, we don't know for sure if before this point, but from this point forward, we know that Mary was running for her life for the rest of her life. See, where Mary came from, uh, it was not a nice place. It, it was the other side of the tracks. If you've heard of that place, if you've ever been there, you say, where do you live? Well, I live on the other side of the tracks. And your parents say, well, we don't run around with those people because they live on the other side of the tracks. And you don't know what the other side of the tracks are. And you don't know if the people on the other side of the tracks are looking at their kids and saying, well, we don't run with them because they run on the other side of the tracks. Because guess what? No matter what side of the tracks you're on, guess what the other side is? the other side of the tracks. And so she lived on the wrong side of the tracks and the people who she grew up with, they would have had no problem putting her to death. And so Mary, when she got pregnant and was betrothed, she had to get out of Dodge. And so scripture says that she went to Elizabeth's house to be protected and to be prepared for the miraculous. Uh, she surely would have been denied by Joseph's family. We know that scripture tells us that. I can hear the conversation uh, between Joseph's family, may maybe with his brothers, and maybe his brother looked at him and said, Joseph, like, why her? Like, of all, of all the girls you could have, I mean, Joseph, you're handsome, you're gainfully employed. Like, back then, that was probably enough. Like, you're handsome, maybe now that's enough. And some of you are on Tinder going, does he have a job? Click heart. Yes, like you, like, said, so Joseph, why her? You, you could have anyone. She, she's pregnant. She's damaged. It's, it's not even your child. These, you're going to raise someone else's child. He was denied by her family. It's one of the reasons why Joseph actually took her on the 90-mile journey to Bethlehem. 
uh, it probably would have taken 10 days. The average Jewish person back then uh, could travel 20 miles per day, but in Mary's state, she probably was only able to, to travel 10 miles per day. So it would have taken them nine or 10 days to make the trip to Bethlehem. It was during the winter when it's in the 30s during the day. It rains constantly at night. Temperatures would drop below freezing. It was nasty. It was miserable beyond the weather though. During their journey, they had to travel through one of the most terrifying dangers in ancient Palestine, the heavily forested valley of the Jordan River, which was filled with lions and bears, and travelers were constantly, it was documented, they were constantly having to fend off wild boars. Archaeologists have actually unearthed documents warning ancient travelers of the dangers of the forest of the Jordan Valley. Once they passed that forested valley, their route would have intersected with a major trade route where it was very common for travelers to encounter bandits. Those bandits were actually known as the pirates of the desert. And those pirates were constantly looking for passerbys who they could rob of anything of value. Yet in spite of all those dangers, Joseph took his nine months pregnant wife on this journey because he knew if he left her alone with his family, she was as good as dead. And so after 10 days on a dangerous journey, they arrived in Bethlehem, where we famously know there was no room at the inn. But that word that we translate into inn does not mean hotel. It actually comes from the Greek word kataluma, and kataluma means guest room. It was a room that was in your home that was reserved for when your family came to visit. And so when it says, but there was no room at the inn, it wasn't saying that Mary was turned away from a hotel. It's saying that Mary was turned away from Joseph's family, not because there was no room, but because there was no room for her. Like, like you could come in, Joseph, we love you, you're our people, you're our family, we are required by law to let you in this house. But we got to tell you, you aren't bringing her in here. We know her kind. We've been around her kind. She's pregnant. You're not the father. We know how that happens. You can tell your little story all you want. She can tell her little oh, miracle pixie dust story all she wants, but she ain't coming in here. And so they were forced to go elsewhere, like Pastor Sonny said, not to a stable, but to a cave where sheep are normally housed, but not just any cave where just any sheep are born, a special cave, a cave where Levitical sheep are born, the sheep for the holy sacrifices. And so in twist of irony, or as we know, in a twist of destiny, Mary, the black sheep, gives birth to Jesus, the pure and spotless lamb who would be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. But the run was not done. The, the Gospel of Matthew says that as they were returning to their own country, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and he departed for Egypt. And he remained there until the death of Herod. Sometime later, after returning from Egypt, Scripture says that the family made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem for Passover. And the Scripture says that Jesus was left behind. And they later found him in the temple. And I've heard people question, what kind of mama would ever forget her son? What kind of mommy could lose her son for an entire day before she notices? But Mary would have assumed that her son was with someone in her family. 
And she would have assumed that because they would have normally been traveling in a caravan of over 50 people. The problem is, it wasn't her family. It was Joseph's family. And some theologians suggest that Jesus was left behind, not by Mary, but by the other family members on purpose because they never believed her story of the virgin birth. And so because they never believed her story of the virgin birth, they never viewed Jesus as their family. Jesus was her family. This was their way of getting revenge on her and finally getting rid of him. And I wonder how many of you resonate with that this holiday season. You've never felt good enough. You've never felt truly accepted. You've always felt like you were on the outside looking in. You feel lonely rejected, denied, constantly scrutinized. Every time you go to family's house, you, you, you know that they're judging you. They're, they're picking you apart. They're analyzing you. The minute you get out of your car, you know that it's on. I, I know a guy, he, he was accused of sexual misconduct seven years ago. He, he was tried. He was found innocent. He was acquitted and he was completely exonerated. But the accusations were in the newspaper. So it keeps showing up during searches of his name. And he and his wife keep having to, to defend themselves for something he didn't do. That's Mary. She spent her entire life defending herself of something that she didn't do. Defending herself and being denied. And I wonder, do you feel like that's you? You've spent your entire life defending yourself for something you didn't do. You've spent your entire life being denied. Here's the third stage of denial, and it is denying yourself. And this, this, y'all, is the cure for what ails you. In the Gospel of Luke says this, one day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone, only his disciples. This, oh, this is so dope right here. Yet, like, listen, read scripture like you talk sometimes. Watch this. One day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. Only his disciples were with him. You could take that one of two ways. You could take it that they were with him or you could take it that they were with him. You know what I'm talking about? Only his disciples were with him and he asked them, watch this. Who do people say I am? I wonder if anywhere in his mind he was remembering who so many people had said he was and what so many people said he was. I wonder if Jesus remembered the words of people calling him illegitimate, insignificant, accidental, the fatherless bastard son of sin. I mean, the gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus went to his hometown and was teaching in the synagogue and the people wondered where his wisdom came from. And scripture says they actually took offense to him and said, isn't this the carpenter? Watch this. Isn't this Mary's? Son, this is Joseph's town. These are Joseph's people. Isn't this the son of Mary? And so now read it like this. Jesus said to his disciples, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you're one of the ancient prophets risen from the dead. Then he asked, brother, who do you say I am? Peter replied, you're the Messiah sent from God. Jesus warned his disciples, don't tell anybody who he was. And the son of man must suffer many terrible things. He said, he'll be rejected by the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. He will be killed. But on the third day, he'll be raised from the dead. Then he said to all of them, whoever wants to be my disciple 
must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. You know, all my life, I have taken this to mean that we need to live a life of sacrifice. And there is no question that it does mean that. But what if there's another meaning? What if it's also saying, change your view of yourself? Deny yourself. You are not what people have called you. You are not who they said you were. You are not illegitimate, insignificant, accidental. You are chosen, you are called, and you are significant. You were born on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, and you are not a child of sin. You are a child of God. So whoever wants to be his disciples, whoever wants to be his disciples must deny themselves. Stop living in the lie that the enemy has spoken over your life. Take up your cross and follow him. And all I wonder today is will you do that? Did you close your eyes all across this place? You know, salvation is a churchy word, but it is the most important, significant word the world has ever known. This morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Here's what that means. When you say you want him to be your Lord, you're saying that you want him to rule over you, that that you don't get to make the decisions anymore. When you say that you want him to be your Savior, that means you're saying that, that you believe he can rescue you. And so this morning in a room like this, I wonder how many people there are who don't have a relationship with Jesus. However many there are, we're gonna give you an opportunity to change that today, and here's how. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask for people to do two things. First, is I'm gonna ask people who do not have a relationship with Jesus to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact with me, you can put your hand down. Then I'm gonna ask for people who had their hands up to repeat a prayer after me, but not alone, along with everyone else in this place. We're not gonna ask you to stand. We're not gonna ask you to walk an aisle. We're not gonna center you out. But we do wanna give you the opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. So this morning, with everybody's head bowed, with everybody's eyes closed, with nobody looking around, if you're here today, you say, Sean, I wanna receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Would you just raise your hand and make eye contact with me? Once you make eye contact with me, you can put your hand down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thanks, 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 thanks. Thanks, 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 thank you, thank you. Once, twice. Okay, I'm gonna ask everybody in here, repeat these words after me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life, make me different, make me new. Be my Lord and be my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, we would love the opportunity to connect with you. Would you take that card that says hello across the top, tear off the bottom part, fill in whatever information you're okay with us having, check the box that's highlighted in yellow that says I'm choosing to follow Jesus. If you would just put that in the black buckets when they come around in just a moment, or if you would take it out to the Welcome Center, either way, we would love the opportunity to pray for you. There's also a packet that we would love for you to have. Inside that packet, there's a three-month daily devotional as well as a CD that's called What Now? It's a 12-minute presentation 
where I walk you through what the next logical steps are in your Jesus journey. So I would love that if you would do that. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes one more time. Uh, don't leave yet. We're not done. Pastor Sonny is going to uh, come up here and close us out here in just a second. But I wonder if you're here and you say, Sean, I'm a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl. But uh, I really need to deny myself. You've, you've been living under a lie. And you need to deny yourself. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so that I could pray for you today? Yeah, yep, so many people. God, we love you. Thank you that you are a God of second and third and fourth and 20th chances, God. I pray blessings on my friends. Pour out your spirit on them. Give them strength and confidence. In Jesus' name, amen.